On this episode, Earth Month, Wish Cycling, Ocean Pollution, and Sustainable Packaging. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. Your hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Almost There Adventure podcast. We are very excited today to have Brooke Hopper with us. She is the head of business development for the outdoor sector of A New Earth Project. And this episode is going to be airing in April for Earth Day. So we thought that would be relevant. Um, Brooke and I actually go way back, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, she has a long, uh, very well-respected career in the outdoor industry. Um, she has worked for the North Face, 1% for the Planet, Live Cycling, and she's now with a new Earth Project. And we are really excited to have you here today, Brooke. Well, why don't you go ahead and maybe introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, well, thank you for the very kind introduction. It's great to um, be here and to uh, meet you gentlemen. Uh, Severia, you're Right, we do go way back, probably way, way back. Uh, we don't even need to go uh, into how many years uh, ago we worked together, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun thinking back to those days uh, working together. Um, I live in Ventura, California, which is where you find me now. I, to various point earlier, I got my start actually in retail in the outdoor space, uh, fell in love with mountain biking, uh, sort of worked my way uh, up through the ranks in different roles uh, in marketing and really found out that storytelling around purpose and uh, businesses that are working uh, for good are is really where I like to be and where I uh, would say is my sweet spot. Uh, so 20 plus years later, here I am. And uh, today is actually my one year anniversary with a new Earth Project. So it's, it's uh, a fun day to be talking to you all. Yeah, congratulations. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about a New Earth Project? Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I have a tendency to work for uh, brands and organizations with a, compl a complex hierarchy uh, or story. I say it's not a an elevator speech, but a walk around the block. So uh, given that, uh, we are a coalition of outdoor enthusiasts, uh, industry-leading brands, athletes, uh, and the global packaging supply chain, all working together on a mission to rid the world's oceans, lakes, and rivers of plastic pollution. So that's a lot, um, and it's uh, a lofty goal, but it's one that we're really excited to be taking on. Uh, and we do that through sustainable packaging. So that's really our how. And the real uh, uh, impetus uh, behind this is the plastic crisis that we find ourselves in now. And I'm sure we'll get to that, especially with this airing uh, Earth Month. Um, it's also uh, just a big passion point of mine as I look to, uh, you know, as I continue to get older and I have a, a almost 10 year old daughter and looking at the type of planet I wanna leave for her, uh, it's really exciting to be working in this space. How did this all start? How did the coalition start? Cause you said it's a complex structure, right? Of brands, athletes, you know, different people. So how did they originally all come together to create this program or this business? The great thing about the story is uh, 
my friend Wes, who I worked uh, with in 2001 in Park City, Utah. We were both we both worked on the sales floor at White Pine Touring. Shout out to Charlie Sturgis who hired us both. Uh, he is the president of Atlantic Packaging, which is the largest privately held packaging company in North America. And a few years back, he had this awakening, uh, realizing that he sits at uh, the table with many of the largest consumer product companies in the world. And looking at the plastic crisis we find ourselves in, uh, around 40% plus of that uh, pollution in, in the ocean is actually from packaging. So he realized that he had not only the responsibility, but also was in a unique position to have the ability to really make change. So with Wes Carter's uh, vision and uh, really, you know, it was a very um, big moment for him emotionally to, to realize the new direction he needed to steer the company. Uh, that's really where a New Earth Project was born, which is a sustainability initiative but what I like to say is uh, a New Earth Project is really the megaphone of how we're getting this story out there. And we're uh, building this coalition of coalition of the willing or you know, of these brands that realize that we need to do something. And uh, it's really West's vision and the power of Atlantic packaging behind us, which um, provided us all of our catalytic capital to get started. Uh, that really has um, been the the way that we've come to be. So I don't even know if that answers your question because there's there's a lot there and I kind of forget I went around kind of the long way. But. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's a very complicated issue. So so I'm, I'm assuming there's not an easy way to talk about it. Um, I guess why don't we kind of establish if, if, if you have a, you know, it can be a long way around the block thing, like like <laughs> what creates the issue? How, how has packaging become this big of a problem and, you know, become this much of a contributor into the, you know, the pollution and the plastic pollution? Uh, well, one reason to really think about packaging and sort of how for sustainable packaging, this is sort of our time is that you're talking to me at home. Um, we are, a lot of us have, you know, been working from home for, you know, going on a couple of, of years because of COVID and we've had the most um, access to ordering things digitally to have delivered to our home than ever before. Uh, and today's actually um, garbage day in my neighborhood. Hopefully they won't come while we're talking, but uh, you know, if you go down your block on, on a garbage day or you know, when they're picking up recycling, you'll notice that every bin is just stuffed to the gills. And, and really there's been this COVID factor that has developed much more awareness around the excess packaging that comes to our homes and the lack of uh, knowing what to do with the packaging that you have. Uh, I know a lot of really great, um, you know, environmental advocates who are just stupefied when they get a package in the mail and they're like, what go, what is recyclable? What is curbside recyclable? Is this compostable? And, you know, people do their best with the information they have to make the right decision. We see that people want to do the right thing. What we at a New Earth Project have figured out is that it's really confusing and we want to make it as simple as possible. So our solutions really are focused on curbside recyclability because of the infrastructure within the U.S., North America, that is much more um, uh, available for customers, consumers, uh, households to do um, 
put fiber or cardboard or paper at the curbside and the recycling is much more likely than something that you get into your home that's industrial compostable or industrial recyclable. Um, so we're really tackling the need for better education uh, for people so that they know what to do with all of the packaging that comes to their home. And what we're seeing, and I think this is really exciting, but I'm kind of a nerd, uh, is brands are now being held accountable for what shows up at their door versus the product itself. So people are looking at the brands that they love and want to buy from and saying, gosh, you guys can do better where a few years back, it was more the product that was that you took out of the packaging. So we we're focused on curbside recyclable products that will one, be the easiest solution for uh, people when they get their products in their home to, to responsibly get rid of. And two, if you look at um, fiber-based solutions uh, and I can talk about flexible packaging, which is a real issue. Uh, it's just something that we as a country tend to recycle quite well. What is flexible packaging? Well, flexible packaging is what you would call a poly bag. It's the suffocation warning bag that every item comes in. And if you, you know, I used to be a visual merchandiser back in the day. And, you know, we used to stuff all that plastic into backpacks to make them look full, but not weigh a lot. So there, that was what we did with them. A lot of people assume that plastic is curbside recyclable or any plastic is recyclable because it has the, the arrows on it. Um, when in fact, a lot of that means it's actually return to store or industrial recyclable. It doesn't mean it's curbside recyclable. So if I have, uh, if I order something and it comes in a, in a poly bag and I put that in my recycling bin, it's not because I'm trying to do the wrong thing or wreak havoc at my uh, municipal recycling facility. Uh, but it's because I think it really is recyclable. We call that wish cycling. We hope that's recyclable and that somebody else down the way will deal with it. What happens is one, if you put it in your recycling bin and it blows out of the truck, you know, it's gonna be there forever uh, for most, you know, for I guess all intents and purposes. Uh, and if it does make it to the recycling facility, it actually does clog the machines. They have to stop everything. And so it actually creates a huge challenge for um, the recycling facilities. So flexible packaging, which everything comes in, most often is uh, either return to store or industrial recyclable or not recyclable at all. and needs to just be put into the trash from the beginning. We do have uh, a, fiber-based solution that we work with, it's a glassine paper. And the reason we like those solutions better is because if it blows out of the truck, let's say even the recycling truck it blows out of, uh, nature will close that loop for us. The environment will close that loop in, in a matter of weeks versus generations. You know, obviously you're saying like it's it's getting to it's getting to us, right? So the goal is to make sure that we're not even getting the bad packaging. So are you working with the retailers or the brands that send stuff to the retailers, you know, like at what point, at one point in the process, are you trying to make the change? Is it the, you know, whether it's the factories in China or the factories, wherever the product is being made, or is it with the retailers that are then getting all the stuff and then sending it to us? It's really all of the above. Uh, we work with brands directly. We work with retailers who, uh, who are struggling with different supply chain issues. Uh, we work uh, to really educate consumers ar around packaging uh, responsibility and how to 
ask for better from the brands that you uh, are involved with. Uh, whether you're buying the product, if you're an athlete, we, um, you know, we're working on really building awareness of the issues. And we find that, you know, when Kailani says something, there's people that'll pay attention a lot more because he's a lot more interesting than a lot of, uh, you know, this industrial packaging, um, uh, these videos that uh, get sent out there. Uh, so we really think that athletes can really help again, get that message out to the masses uh, to increase awareness so that we can then create solutions to either, you know, reduce packaging, which is, you know, everyone knows the reduce, reuse, recycle, um, figuring out how to keep that plastic from existing in the first place. Uh, right now, there's some statistics that are pretty horrifying. Um, and I'm actually going to look at one now just to make sure I don't get it wrong. Uh, but basically right now, um, experts estimate that by 2050, there will be more fish by weight, or excuse me, I'm going to start that off, start that over. But by 2050, there will be more plastics in the ocean than fish by weight. So that to me was a really stark statistic and one that, that really, you know, scares the heck out of me for you know, my daughter and future generations to be able to enjoy the ocean and, you know, the environment in the ways that I found so fulfilling and really um, has altered my life's trajectory um, since I was, you know, in college. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of headlines in recent, you know, just in the last year about how broken the whole recycling system is and all of that. Do you think that is um, obviously like uh, approaching it from the, the packaging side, um, is important, but is it also important to sort of go into the systems in place for recycling? I mean, do you guys have any, like, are you working with the recycling agencies or the recycling companies as well to try to try, try to do these kinds of solutions? That's a really great point. Uh, a lot of the recycling uh, struggles are, are real. Most often we find that it's because of all of this disinformation or lack of clarity um, for consumers and how to dispose of uh, the waste that they have in their homes. Uh, I really think that leaning into what we know works and what we know these uh, recycling facilities can do well. Again, that's cardboard fiber-based solutions, which really just means paper. Um, and then making sure that those uh, supply chains and, and where that paper is coming from is responsibly sourced. Uh, there's a lot of different ways of thinking through uh, each brand's choices as far as you know uh, looking at a life cycle assessment uh, versus um, you know the the end of that product and and the and really looking at circularity is what we should all be doing is uh, instead of thinking of the end use or the end of life of whether it be a you know product or packaging um, instead of thinking of that having an end of life like we really are looking for circular solutions but it's a great point because we need to work with um, educating, um, you know, every aspect of behavior, whether it be going to the recycling facility and learning about the challenges, looking at consumer behavior and how we can make it easier for consumers to do the right thing. Uh, and then also looking at the brands and asking for better. And to um, Severia's question earlier about retailers, there's a lot of uh, great opportunities for retailers to be leading the conversation and actually having guidelines in place for their vendors. Uh, REI would be one example uh, that has a, a very um, specific packaging guidelines in place that their vendors uh, have to uh, fulfill in order to be carried in their store. 
So that's a really big opportunity, in, in my opinion, for the future is these uh, these retailers, whether it be online or, um, you know, even uh, small specialty retailers to uh, you know, have these packaging standards in place uh, that will really help everyone in the long run. Yeah, I, I'm kind of curious to know, uh, Brooke, what the what those packaging standards might look like, especially for a small business. So we do a lot of, we mail a lot of stuff personally. So we have, mm-hmm. we run the six pack of peaks challenge series. We're running, we're sending out stuff, you know, welcome packets to, to uh, challengers and finishers and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, we, we do our darndest to, mm-hmm. you know, be smart about it, but you may, you raised a couple of points that I hadn't really thought too much about. And that like one of them was, not only is the pa- is the packaging recyclable, but was it sustainably sourced? And like, how does a small business what's a, what's a good tactic, or do you have resources for somebody who um, you know is a smaller business? We definitely feel the pain of the small businesses challenge because it, it's real. And what we learned and sort of what so we launched uh, April on Earth Day actually of last year officially, even though this project within the works for a couple of years already. Um, and again, that was just initially laying some groundwork and kind of some ideation around what this could be. Um, but what we hear more often than not is, I want to do it, but I can't afford it. So we speak to a lot of brands who are currently, you know, they're smaller, they're buying their packaging from Uline or FedEx, and they want to uh, transition to a, a more sustainable alternative but in, you know they can't even get a call back from some of these really big, big vendors of, of packaging. Uh, so one thing that we did is taking that power of Atlantic, we created a resource on our website, which is a, a catalog of products that is um, pretty. Uh, it's small, but it's the the things that you use more often than not. It's the mailers, it's void fill. You know, it's like if you're using bubble wrap now we have something that you can use that's a fiber-based alternative fiber-based mailers and so we take that purchasing power of atlantic packaging we we buy in bulk and then we warehouse these items and that will allow small guys small gals uh, who have small businesses uh, to buy with a lot less of a moq or a minimum order quantity um, to get that price break of a larger brand. So that's at our website and you can buy with a credit card. It's it's a little bit of a disruptor in the packaging space, but we wanted to make sure that we were also providing a service for um, brands of all sizes. Uh, not everyone's going to buy their packaging with a credit card through our website. And we do a lot of custom packaging, but this is hopefully a, an answer for a, a brand or a company that's small like yours that wants to do the right thing. And, and of course, we know Jeff is awesome and he wants to do the right thing. But I mean, I guess the big elephant in the room is the big elephant like Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many small things I've ordered that show up in a giant box that, that aren't even fragile and they're surrounded by plastic wrapping and they show up in a giant box and you're like, I mean, just even like visually, you're looking at it and you're like, what, what the hell? Um, have you guys had yep. much traction? I mean, are you talking to like the bigger, you know, the bigger corporation like Amazon or the, I know obviously you mentioned REI is kind of stepping up to do the right thing. But have you had any yeah. luck with, with those with those companies? Well, it's been really great because um, a newer project, we're really positioning ourselves to focus on the outdoor and action sports community. So we got our start in the surf uh, surf industry. And the first thing that we did was work with John Pizel to create a 
fiber-based uh, shipping solution that um, would uh, re really revolutionize surfboard shipping. Uh, and that was a really cool project because basically John was like, we are sending so many boards to people's homes and the amount of plastic we're using is alarming and we don't know what else to do. Can you help? And so we have one of the, um, the most sophisticated testing facilities for packaging in the world, actually um, based in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we brought John there and we shipped, you know, uh, we shipped his boards there and our engineers there really just looked at what exists in the marketplace from a packaging perspective and figured out like, here's three options. Let's see what works. And they tried them. And the full story here is that they actually, uh, took a, um, a design that had been used in the 1950s, I believe, to uh, protect windshields in transit. And um, now we use that for surfboard shipping and we call it the S3, the Sustainable Surfboard Shipping System. And what's come out, um, one is that this new way of packing a surfboard is a really big brand attribute. Um, it's more effective uh, as far as protecting the packaging. And if you look holistically at the process and how it impacts um, their bottom line, it's actually less expensive because it took the time it took to pack a board from 20 minutes per board to like four minutes a board. So when we go in, we have a, a really big um, view uh, and a lot of experience uh, with this, uh, you know, Atlantic packaging being 75 years plus um, in packaging. Uh, we look at every part of the process from packing a board to, you know, just logistics in the warehouse. Um, and we figure out how we can help either reduce the amount of packaging um, or create packaging, you know, that's better than what they're doing now. And then our gold standard, again, is is packaging that is uh, fully curbside recyclable, like this one with John Pizel. Uh It's really a great story. And it's been really fun to see because when we worked with, with John, we said, um, you don't have to pay anything for this time for the design, the con, you know, the time from our our engineers or our, or our solution center. Um, but you're not going to own it when it's done. And so he was like, "Yeah, I don't need to own it." So it's really that idea of collaborating industry wide on a on something like a surfboard. A surfboard is a surfboard. You know, there's different lengths, um, but for the most part, uh, you know, they're very similar. So now we have a lot of surf uh, brands um, buying our surf shipping system and again that's to John Paisel's credit um, that he had the vision he he was our guinea pig and now we're rolling that out industry-wide and we're able to really uh, move the needle quicker um, and that's the big idea with the New Earth project it's like how can we work together to inspire the greater supply chain um, you know if you took all of the outdoor industry surf companies you know and you put them all together you know you look at the largest companies, uh, the consumer product companies in the world, and it's a really small amount. But we think that the outdoor industry is really well suited to tell amazing stories. Uh, and also, you know, it's enlightened self-interest as we need a healthy environment for people to go out and explore using the products that these companies sell. So we're really hoping and, um, you know, working really hard to make awareness uh, of the issue more prevalent for everyone. Uh, telling great stories that will make people think twice about their packaging. And we want to inspire the greater supply chain uh, so that we can really move the needle quicker, which is what we're going to have to do if we're going to um, stop this freight train that's kind of headed towards us. Um, 
Oh, go ahead, Sabrina. I was just gonna say, Brooke, one of the things that I loved about you through the years is like your passion and your fact that you're like passionate about the outdoors and you're passionate about like caring about causes and all those things. Um, I mean, obviously you don't just wake up one day and let's say like, this is really important to me. Like I want to save the earth. So <laughs> I know that you have a long sort of history of just being an outdoor enthusiast yourself and also working for outdoor companies. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of how you like, some of your outdoor pursuits maybe and things that you've done in the past and how you enjoy the outdoors and what the outdoors means to you and you know sort of the heart behind why this is all important to you yeah well thanks for asking that's a that is a great question uh and it's interesting because i i think back to you know my growing up i didn't have really any exposure to outdoors and i'm that's a big focus for me as a mom uh but you know, I had a single parent household. I was a competitive gymnast and I never saw outside. I, I didn't really get that experience until I was in college uh, and joined the outing club. On, I still don't even know why that why I did it, but I did and um, fell in love with mountain biking and uh, rafting in West Virginia and graduated with a with a degree in finance and moved to Park City, Utah to be a ski bum, which let's just say my mom was not thrilled about that. Um, but it, I think about sort of everything that brought me to where I am today. And that decision um, was really meaningful because that is where I met Wes Carter, who is the president of Atlantic Packaging. Um, and we were both like the hungover kids on the sales floor, like trying to like just keep each other entertained and like getting through the day so that we could get back on the mountain to, to snowboard more. Uh, I have to give him a hard time though, because I, he was the number one, salesperson at White Pine until I started and then I was the number one salesperson. He's he's definitely sold a lot more packaging than I have, but I like to um, kind of give him shit about that uh, when I can. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, really it was once I, I found the outdoors and kind of, it kind of opened my eyes to all of um, the opportunities that are out there. I had never really even thought about doing or going anywhere further than Chicago, which is, um, but to, uh, you know, three hours from where I grew up. Uh, and so really it was, I would say, having my eyes open to the outdoors got me interested in mountain biking. I was a really bad mountain bike racer for a long time. Um, but I always, I always had big ideas and started uh, out of White Pine. I started a women's team and I was convinced there was a bigger market out there for um, women if, uh, and I really wanted to prove it. And it was really the idea that um, men and women often learn differently. And most women that I met on a mountain bike, you know, they had a really horrid first experience on their husband or boyfriend's bike that was too big for them and, you know, had a horrific craft and never wanted to go back. So I really believe that there was an opportunity to get more women riding and have that transformative experience that I had. So I required all the, the riders on the team to, we did, you know, learn to ride clinics uh every I think it was every Tuesday out of the shop and there were days we had 90 women show up and let me tell you that made an impact um on the on the local retailers and I was able to as a buyer at the time to justify more floor space for for women so I think uh that was always something that was I was really passionate about and I I think it just comes from um being very justice oriented as a human being. Um, I'm a twin. And so I think in growing up, things always had to be fair. <laughs> like that was just like 
let's not fair. Like it has to be equal, you know? And I, I know there's so many complex issues these days where um, it's, you know, it's not something to, to even joke about, but I, I think back to where did my orientation around justice in all forms come from? I think that definitely influenced it. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how I fell in love with mountain biking. I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, climbing and uh, doing, you know, I used to jump out of airplanes in a wingsuit every weekend for for fun. And uh, now yoga is kind of my, more my thing. But um, cycling has been a big part of my life from, you know, way back when college to now. That was really kind of what opened my eyes to the, to the beauty of the outdoors and the transformative power of just like being immersed in something that's so much bigger than you. Um, my mom likes to say your ego is not your amigo, which as I've gotten older, um, I think I should like make t-shirts or something. Cause I think that more often than not is, um, just a very true sentiment, especially in outdoor spaces, especially in sports that are traditionally male dominated. Uh, and I think that's why I've really enjoyed working with women, um, both, uh, you know, as a passion project. And then while I was leading global marketing for live cycling, that really was um, just a lot of fun and very gratifying. It sounds like you've done a little bit of everything. Kind of feels like that. So a new earth yeah. project, you're, you're focused on like the people who are creating products and shipping them out. You're also partnering with folks like REI. Is that correct? Or so big box stores that maybe have some influence or some clout with their suppliers, you know, just like, hey, you have to adhere to these standards. Uh, what are the other places? I mean, I think like, what about what consumers do? And and what about any kind of legislation to try to, you know, rein in some of the, you know, like styrofoam, for example, you know, we don't see as much yeah. of it anymore, but oh my God, every once in a while I get something with styrofoam and I almost have a conniption, mm -hmm. you know, like I, you know, what can you do? What is there? What are the, <laughs> what are the things that we can do from a legislative perspective? What are the things that we can do as individuals? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because we should clarify that styrofoam is actually a trademark firm by DuPont. So you may be referring to all plastic foams. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Yes. Um. Uh. Yes. Uh. But foam is definitely problematic and something that we focus on. Uh, you brought up a lot of great points. I want to make sure that we that we do address all of them from the retailer side. I want to give REI credit because they have been in this game much longer than I have around um, uh, sustainable packaging. The cool thing with uh, being in sustainable packaging is if we can create products that are actually helping future-proof um, either REI or other uh, stores that may be thinking along these lines, uh, you know, we can get ahead of the game so that every year you're not having to redesign your packaging because that is quite a headache. Um, we do a lot of work and what I'm focusing on is how do we really be a resource for these brands. Uh, so we have joined all of the trade organizations from the Outdoor Industry Association, the Snow Sports Industries of America, um, Atlantic Packaging joined the Conservation Alliance, and we really are a, a resource. So, um, for example, uh, we joined People for Bikes, which is uh, the industry organization for the bike space. And uh, we just rolled out some um, sustainable packaging guidelines for the entire industry. 
Um, and I work alongside the sustainability working group and with Greg, who's from REI and is their product sustainability uh, guru. Uh, and we work um, as a coalition of, of companies and packaging groups to develop this uh, these packaging guidelines that really is a resource. Uh, and we're actually doing a webinar next week, um, but we also do a lot of things like webinars for you know, we did it for the Outdoor Industry Association. Uh, we did it for the snow sports industry where it's kind of like sustainable packaging, like AMAs ask us anything. We'll present our our positions on behalf of a New Earth project and why we take um, the, the point of view that we do, but then ask us anything. And, you know, we're happy to follow up and help people with things like, um, you know, how do we, you know, the more specific packaging questions that, um, we make our sustainability director, Caroline James, available for those calls uh, and really want to be there to help people as they are moving along their journey. And, and we want to celebrate all the small wins along the way. But we've had huge um, turnout for some of these webinars. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun because we don't we're not there giving a sales pitch. Uh, it's worth noting that Atlantic Packaging actually sits in the middle of the supply chain. While we do make some packaging, we're a supplier of packaging. So when you think of some of the bigger names in um, actually producing packaging, you'll notice that when you go to them for a solution, they have a specific product they wanna sell you where we can go to all of the vendors uh, with a challenge and we can do the assessment to say like, well, this is what the customer's you know, goals are from a sustainability perspective. This is their business objective. This is, you know, their budget that they have to work with. What's their best option? And we have the entire array of um, packaging at our fingertips to then be a one-stop shop for a company that wants to um, explore anything from mailers, uh, which is, you know, a really uh, low-hanging fruit to, you know, custom packaging for surfboard. Um, we're also um, coming up with, uh, proactive solutions for skis, snowboards, bikes, you name it, we're, we're working on it. And that's all uh, being done, again, at no expense to any brand. It's really us wanting to move the needle quicker and to have a body of, of work for these brands that we're having conversations with and others like them in the industry. So you don't have to be the biggest manufacturer of skis to be able to make a difference. How can all of the ski, ski brands work together to come up with a solution that Nobody really cares if they own their box, let's say, um, and, and really help because people are realizing that this is something that will help not only the planet, but, you know, the customers are asking for it. Uh, and again, I think it's that, um, that COVID factor in packaging where, you know, we all are realizing exactly how much packaging is going, is coming in and then going out the door and just how big of a waste that it can, that it is. I didn't touch on legislation, um, but I do want to say that there is EPR legislation, which is extended producer responsibility. Um, and that's something that um, Wes, our founder, is um, very much supporting and advocating for. Um, he was here in Sacramento when um, when uh, California passed the, the SB, uh, I don't want to get it wrong, I think it's SB 45, but I might be getting that wrong, but the um, extended producer responsibility um, bill here in California. And I know he, uh, Wes was just on, you know, on a Zoom call for like three hours waiting to testify. I want to say in Connecticut 
or another state that's considering EPR legislation. Um, but these are all resources that we make available, like really basics on our on our website so that people, whether you're a brand or an individual and you want to learn more about packaging, um, you know, legislation, kind of things like that, we have it all available on our website in our field notes section. And we, you know, we interview uh, Senator Allen, who's been, I think he authored the bill. Uh, and we, we do a lot of work just to, again, to make sure that everyone, whether it be brands or consumers have somewhere to go where they can learn more about the the packaging landscape because it's not an easy thing to get a straight answer on. Are you getting a lot of pushback from, you know, the current, you know, other than of course the the the, the one you were Atlantic when you were are you getting a lot of pushback from the sort of traditional old school packaging companies or the people, you know, the people that may I guess produce and make a living now? Are they are they sort of are they excited to try and change? Do they feel like they want to change? Or does it feel like an obstacle to get, you know, the, say the plastic in- industry or these other packing industries to, to play along? Or, or is, is, that, is that an obstacle or are they, does it feel like they're open to, to change? Well, it's a really good question because I think that getting out of our comfort zone is, isn't easy no matter who we are. Uh, and really what I see Wes doing is, you know, seeing the future and kind of trying to meet it a little bit sooner because uh, inevitably all packaging is going to have to be more sustainable than it is now. Um, people like to, you know, vilify plastic when we know that there are a lot of great uses for plastic. Uh, and it's really the single use plastic uh, that mm-hmm. is so problematic. And that's really where we're focusing. Um, you know, I think that any traditional packaging company or salesperson who sells bubble wrap is going to just want to sell it, sell that bubble wrap and, and not make that transition. We are one of the, I would say the only, if not one of the very, very few who are proactively reaching out to customers who do buy things like bubble wrap and, and making suggestions about looking at fiber-based alternatives. Uh, and we're also very focused on whether it be a New Earth project or Atlantic packaging, we're very rooted in um, purpose. Uh, and we're also rooted in um, a really cool history that I would be remiss not to share. Wes's grandfather, Horace Carter, started as a small newspaper in Taborville, or Tabor City, excuse me, Tabor City, North Carolina. And what I learned is that back in the day, if you were in the paper, in a newspaper, you were in the paper business, uh, which meant you were in the paper, became in the paper packaging business. So that was where Atlantic Packaging got its start. Uh, and in the late 40s, uh, Horace Carter um, actually worked really closely with the FBI uh, to take down, um, I think it was over 300 members of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, which uh, was a really scary time for Wes and Wes's father, Rusty, who's the CEO now, because there were death threats and you name it. But he um, took down over 300 members of the Klan, including the Grand Dragon in his area, uh, and actually won the uh, a Pulitzer for Meritorious Service in 1952. Uh, and honestly, I've never worked for a company where people work there for like 55 years and then their kids are working there. And it, it's really cool to see sort of, and to work for or near a company that has that integrity. And we talked about me being justice oriented. That really resonates with me. And it's something that, um, you know, when Wes and I reconnected over Instagram, which is what happened um, randomly uh, 
over just like a, a foiling uh, picture that I had. And uh, we started talking and, you know, he said, oh, you should come to Hawaii and check out what we're doing with the New Earth Project. And then I, I said, well, let me know, you know, that sounds like a cool thing if you're looking for any anyone else to work with you on that. And then he saw my um, my resume and it was just like, wow, we were just talking about needing someone in the outdoor and bike space. So been a really cool kind of full circle moment to, you know, find a company that's so rooted in purpose. And then uh, a founder like Wes, who's so passionate about the outdoors and it's in his core, like he's such a passionate human being. And then to be able to, uh, you know, learn and stretch as a, as, you know, I've never, I'm not a sustainable packaging person, but very, you mentioned that I, I am uh, very much passionate about what I do. And this is a, you know, a fun project for me that I think is really important. Um, and I think it's something that we can all really start to see as uh, achievable um, is to make a difference. Absolutely. I feel as though, well, first of all, they're incredibly lucky to have you on their team because I feel as though you elevate any team that you are a part of um, and you definitely bring that outdoor industry experience to them. Um, and I think it's really inspiring that you're taking a passion and, you know, that you weren't scared to be like, yeah, I know nothing really about packaging, but I care about the environment and I, you know, have these other, all these other skills. And I think it's from a professional standpoint, it's really inspiring to see you, you know, jump into something and be like, yep, I can learn about the thing, but um, following your heart to try to do good. So very inspiring, Brooke. Severia, that's very nice. And really, I'm a storyteller. So that's really what it comes down to. And, you know, I think that I'm also a natural salesperson when I love something, um, whether that be a live bike or whether that be a North Face jacket. It's like, I know, I know how the sausage is made. And, and I'm not going to be afraid to suggest you know, my outdoor furniture that I love, like, um, you know, packaging isn't the sexiest thing to talk about, but it can be when you have the right people talking about it. So I'm really helping to, you know, bring those stories to life so that the people who can, who are the packaging expert can have the conversations with the logistics people. But really, it's like, you never know what, you know, what Kelly Slater fan is going to be watching our documentary film series. And all of a sudden, you know, want to know more about packaging and be inspired and, and making big changes uh, in their own life and in their community. So we're really looking at, you know, again, being that megaphone around about the issue of sustainable packaging and, and bringing everyone on board and celebrating um, the journey uh, and all the small wins along the way. So as we mentioned, we're going to be airing this during April, which is Earth Month. If you had one or two high level tips that you could give people who are listening to this podcast and are sort of saying, okay, this is great. It's like, there's so much, you know, it's so easy to feel like there's nothing one person can do, but if there was one or two things that all of us peoples could do, what would they be? What would you say, please just do these one or two things. It's, it's funny you say, you know, for anyone I just presented last week, my um, daughter's Girl Scout uh, group, uh, and it was all about ocean plastic pollution. Um, and I think that the biggest thing that each of us can do individually, and I'm not even going to start with packaging, but it's um, not accepting uh, single use anything. It's having your own mug. It's having your own meal kit. It's having your own uh, tote bag. You know, it's those things that you can, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, I think what I heard from my daughter's Girl Scout troop and they were aged like five to 12, which was very interesting um, to, to talk to 
uh, is they know that they're not supposed to litter and that you're, you should pick up trash. Well, when you go to Bali, it's not like people are leaving that trash behind. It's washing ashore. You know, these surfers who have been, you know, in the ocean, you know, they're, they're the canaries in the coal mine. They're the ones that are seeing this plastic problem. And it's not coming from the people on the beach. It's coming from everyone in the world. And, and it's that behavior modification that needs to be um, changed. I think that's really, you know, just not accepting of single use anything um, as best you can. Um, and then when we think about packaging, I, I really do think it's the idea of understanding what is curbside recyclable versus industrial recyclable. That uh, flexible packaging conversation is such a huge one. We have a lot of conversations where we say to these brands and even the retailers, they they don't know if like, are we using these poly bags for every individual item because that is what we need to do to prevent damage? Or is that just the way we've always been doing it? Um, like where are these brands that want to do different and are willing to try new things? Um, and I think it's also, let's, let's look at the, the Amazons of the world because, you know, you talked about boxes not being sized um, adequately for the shipment. Uh, you know, right sizing packaging is, is super important and something that we focus on. Uh, but with Amazon, the value isn't, um, you know, how much energy it took, space it takes up, it's speed. So it's like, how do we have um, our expectations match so that we are okay with, you know, maybe paying a little extra for packaging that is curbside recyclable or um, really looking at our own purchasing behavior and, and figuring out like where we can make the biggest impact. Uh, you know, is it better composting? You know, there's a lot of, I'll stop there, but I do want to say that something about bioplastic too before before we end. Yeah, go for it. Tell us. You want me to say um, Close on bioplastic, <laughs> bioplastics. <laughs> Well, you know, we like to focus on, you know, curbside recyclable or backyard compostable. Uh, there's a lot of people selling, you know, compostable plastic um, that really just degrades into finer micro, almost invisible microplastics. Uh, and those are not any better. So it's worth noting that if you're buying something from someone who's selling a bioplastic, it's not necessarily that they're trying to get one, you know, to please you or to, you know, lie to you, but there's a lot of science out there that is being taken as facts, but really you need to make sure that all of the, uh, you know, the science behind the products that you're purchasing as a consumer or as a brand are actually fact-based and true um, because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, misinformation out there. And that's really why we're we're kind of presenting our, our we are a resource for people who, who want to do better, but have a lot of questions. So it's letting our sustainability director, you know, really just talk directly to talk about the pros and cons of every option or to explain a life cycle assessment, like the pros and cons, the, you know, what it does do and where its limitations could be. Uh, but I think that, the, you know, what we've seen with uh, bioplastics, you know, we're really not there yet for a lot of reasons as far as um, really trusting uh, that science. Uh, 
So there are a lot of really cool innovations that we do support like um, uh, Ecovative, which is our partner with mushroom packaging. So mycelium packaging is a really cool innovation that we um, have been working with as well as uh, a newer on the, on the, uh, in the world is cruise foam, which is an alternative to plastic foams um, based in Santa Cruz. And we just uh, launched uh, a partnership uh, with them uh, February 1st uh, in Hawaii. And it's a really exciting innovation as well. So there's a lot of innovation happening in the packaging space that we're excited to be, uh, to be supporting. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Sorry, Jason, did you have another question? No, no, I was going to say, say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. So many great things to think about and like big picture and little picture and all the things in between. For folks who want to learn more about a new earth project, where would they, where do they find you and where would they find out? And we will include this in the show notes, but uh, where do people, <laughs> yeah, find out more about this? Uh, well, our website is a new earth project.com. Uh, our product catalog that I mentioned is um, also on our website, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we have a great documentary film series called Journey to a New Earth. Uh, we're currently in production for season two, um, but check out season one on our YouTube. And yeah, we're excited to hear more. And if you have questions, um, uh, I think my email probably, I'll give you my email and you can um, put it in the show notes. Awesome. Great. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Thanks guys. Well, that's going to do it for us. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media on Instagram at almostthere underscore AP or the Almost There Adventure podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support us financially, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash A-T-A-P. You can find Severia at Adventure Us Women. That's Adventure US Women. Jeff at The SoCal Hiker or me at The Mirror Project. Our title track, Almost There, is performed by Opus Orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. For more about this episode and all of our others, make sure to check out our show notes on our website, almostthereadventurepodcast.com. On our next episode, we talk to hiker Benny Braden. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>